strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Has there ever been a better big red rage to hear from a kicker? Ron Wolfley, did you watch the NFL playoffs last weekend? As a matter of fact, I did, Polly. The special teams were found wanting. So you saw the clutch kicks, El Grande. You saw how three of the four games ended on a walk-off win with a kicker delivering the dagger. You saw the Niners and Robbie Gold at Green Bay in the snow. You saw the rookie Evan McPherson knock out the number one seed, Tennessee. You witnessed the Rams and Matt Gay at Tampa Bay, did you not? Yes, I did, but there's a lot more to special teams, Paul. There's a lot more to a football game than just the kicker hitting a walk-off. All right, Paul. Now, Wolf, now I have to transition. Has there ever been a worse time for you to make that statement with our guest tonight, Jay Feely, (laughs) former Cardinals kicking great, our special guest tonight on the Big Red Rage? Listen, Jay's going to be the first one to tell you that right now. There's a lot more to it, Paul, than just the kicker kicking the ball and walking off, just like there's a lot more to it than just a coin toss, Paul. Did you not see Harrison Butker's 49-yarder that sent the Chiefs' nightcap against Buffalo into overtime, the game that Jay Feely worked? So, Wolf, we'll get into this with Jay Feely. Yeah, I saw it, Polly. I also saw the C on his jersey. I see you. You're maybe a little haughty, a little haughty with your four Pro Bowls on special teams. I get it. I get it. You're just, you're just not willing to give the kicker, oh, the kicker, the, good, the credit in this one. You might also be a little bit bitter, a little bit over the fact that Jay Feely went from his playing career immediately to network and wearing the CBS Blazer, right, right on the sideline. Paul, where are you going with all of this, Paulie? That's what I want to know. Well, it's our intro to the original Thursday Night Football. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Cal. VC Ron Wolfley, and what a weekend it was. Oh, boy. I mean, you had serious drama on the field in the playoffs, and then you had a Super Bowl press conference, Ron Wolfley. Super Bowl 57 next year is located where? Uh, right here, Paul. Right here in the AZ. Thanks for working with me because uh, during <laughs> – during that press conference, or thereafter, uh, the owner of the Cardinals, Michael Bidwell, had a few things to say, and on azcentral.com, among others, there was the uh, use of the word disappointing, Ron Wolfley, to sum up the Cardinals' finish to the season, and a couple of quotes along the lines of, and I do quote, anytime you see your direct competitors in the playoffs, it should bother any football fan, and it certainly bothers this one. <laughs> And you know, Did it bother you, Paulie? It's bothering me right now, although in retrospect, um, yeah, the NFC, the NFC West is the beating heart of the football universe. 
It is the beating heart. We said this going into the season. It's been this way over the last two seasons in particular. It's been the best division in the game of football. And unfortunately, right now for the Arizona Cardinals, they're not in the NFC Championship game. But you know what? Two NFC West teams are. We said it all season. If you can get through the NFC West and get into the playoffs, you are playoff ready. And guess what? The Rams and the 49ers have looked the part. Obviously, the Cardinals do not at the L.A. Rams. So you're looking at the fact that, oh, boy, you know, you were able to able to slug it out and lead the division for much of the year. You won three out of four against these two teams in the regular season. So, yes, anybody looks at the NFC Championship game. The NFC best represented in the Cardinals division. And you wonder, man, okay, oh. you know. What exactly happened and why it couldn't have been us? You know what, Paulie, honestly, right now, too, I just got to tell you this. Um, you know I was really upset by this. I, I the, the Cardinals, all they had to do was beat the Seattle Seahawks at home at, at State Farm Stadium. There they were. They were 6-10, and 10, the Seattle Seahawks. All they had to do is go out and beat them at home, and they would be the NFC West champions. Now, again, in retrospect, we can look back at it, and everyone was like, hey, you know what, don't worry about it because they're a great road team. They're going to travel to SoFi. They've already won there once. And, you know, I, I, that's all true. There's no doubt about that. But, man, it's the reason why I, I was so greedy. I wanted that ball. I wanted that badly to win the NFC West, knowing it was the best division in football. And here it is being proved out by virtue of the NFC Championship game. Yeah, and we can cite all the numbers you want from that loss in Week 18 or the loss against the Rams in the playoffs, but it, it's comments like Cliff Kingsbury after that loss at home to the Seahawks when the, the division title ended up being on the line when he said, and I quote, they wanted it more. Mm. And, and just that's what resonates to me. So as you go into the offseason, you're trying to diagnose what happened at the end of this past regular season where with the playoff loss, you lost five out of your final six, and – and then you have to look at your roster, and you got to figure, all right, who's part of the solution? Who's part of the problem? And here's Cliff Kingsbury before the Cardinals departed on the offseason, just about roster planning. It's an ongoing process, and Steve does a great job of, of getting right into it. And um, there'll be some tough decisions to make, and, and uh, we got to figure some things out. I mean, well, mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't the decisions go beyond just the game film? Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah you, you got to figure out, right, the chemistry and makeup of this team and obviously that that can be a hard that can be a moving target that can be really subjective and so to me this offseason is as difficult as any just for different reasons than yes. perhaps when you were three and 13. No Paulie you're right about that man you really are because once again it starts with a thought Paul it starts with a philosophy what is the Arizona Cardinals philosophy that's what they'll do they'll sit around the big rectangle it'll be Steve Kime it'll be Cliff Kingsbury the coaches they'll sit around that big rectangle and say where do we want to go as a football team because you have to answer that question before you go and get pieces that fit kind of like going into last offseason stop and think about it Steve Kime had two goals get more physical and bring better leadership into the locker room he went out and he did that in the offseason it starts with a thought it starts with a plan and although the plan the best laid plans of mice and men off go awry and it did last year I think due to injury with J.J. Watt D-Hop going down as well. Those two right there, Paul. I, I yeah. 
the more I look back on it, Paul, the 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 more I think those two losses changed everything. Yeah, it it changed the Cardinals' offense. Obviously, the only legitimate number one wide receiver, and then you were left wondering if you had a legitimate number two receiver. At times, you're right. There was a massive trickle down effect, and then, you know, there were two guys who weren't just playmakers; they were mentalities. J.J. Watt was one of them. The other one was James Conner to me. And then when James Conner was banged up, especially in the playoff game, and he's wearing the rib protection, he just wasn't the same. Yeah, and, and you know, and then you wonder. At least I did. Based on the reaction from guys on the bench and just the vibe on the sideline, was it akin to when the Cardinals were between quarterbacks, when they were between Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer or Carson Palmer and Kyler Murray? And once the team got down, the rest of the team looked at the quarterback or looked at the team and said, you know what, we, we don't have any chance to get back into this game. And I think there was a bit of that, perhaps. And why? I, I have no idea. That's just utter speculation. You talk about making the decision and the decision yes. makers. You know, new multiple reports out today, Adrian Wilson yes. might be a prime candidate to be a GM in Jacksonville along with potential head coach Byron Leftwich. Right. And, and so Paulie, that, you know what, honestly, I don't mean to interrupt you here, but I I I wanna talk about that. But I, I think it's so important you continue on the the track of what the players need to do and what the coaches need to do, what the organization needs to do. The first thing, Paulie, is you got to tell the truth. <laughs> you got to tell the truth about what you saw. Forget about any type of agendas that might sway you one way or the other. You have to tell the cold, hard truth. It was one of the reasons why when I heard J.J. Watt say it was a massive failure, it filled me with hope. Hope it actually encouraged me to hear somebody like that characterizing it and calling it exactly what it ultimately was in light of how well they had played over 12 weeks of the season. I'm talking about three months of the season the Cardinals had played 10 and 2. You have to call it exactly what it is. So you tell the truth. Everybody tries to be accountable to each other and accountable for what happened in the second half of the season again and how they played. And that starts with Kyler Murray. It does. And then then you can start trying to fix things via the positions that you might actually bring in. And while he's still on the rookie contract, you have to make some expenditures uh, and you have to figure out, okay, once again, who's staying, who's going. Guys like Zach Ertz, you got to figure they're going to go down swinging, trying to bring back the big tight end. And here he is on the potential of continuing his career with the Cardinals. I've loved my time here in Arizona. I would love the opportunity to continue here. There's a lot of things out of my control. You got a lot of good players that are free agents as well. So it may not be even up to me. Um, but it's been a blessing to be able to be here. Um, I've truly loved it. My wife has obviously loved it. Um, Obviously, it didn't end where we wanted it to, um, but I still feel like we have unfinished business as a team. Uh, I would love to be a part of it. We're going to get into some of these guys with Jay Feely, whether it's the two tight ends, Zach Ertz and Mm. Max Williams, whether it's Chandler Jones and James Conner, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Chase Edmonds. Yeah, I mean, you know, a Jordan Phillips type, Colt McCoy, you know, even Robert Alford who went into the offseason injured. I mean, there's almost 30 guys where you have to make a decision on their football future, Wolf. And so 
yeah, there, there, there's going to be an evolution to this roster. There's no doubt about it. I think it will be telling as to who gets the contract offers and who does not. There's no doubt about that, Paulie. And again, it starts with a thought, starts with a philosophy, then you start plugging in the pieces. Jay Feely was on the sideline for Buffalo, Kansas City. Was it the greatest game he ever witnessed? And he's going to be there for the AFC Championship game this weekend as well. The former Cardinals kicker and CBS analyst up next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Feely, ready, Zassadil to hold. A 61-yard try. Ball is down. Kick from Feely is up. It has the leg and it is gone! Jay Feely from 61! The game. 61-yard field goal by Jay Feely. You gotta be kidding me. 23-yard attempt now by Jay Feely. Snap, and it's a fake. They pitch it to Feely. He's running right. Feely for the pylon. Touchdown! A fake field goal touchdown. And Jay Feely with a University of Phoenix Stadium leap. If your offense is struggling. Let your kicker have it. I guess that's why Feely wears gloves as a kicker. You know what? (laughs) The Denver Post stole Dave Pash's line right there because earlier today I went to verify that game and some of the stats, and in the Google search first came up this Denver, and that was the lead line in the Denver Post story. So that's why Jay Feely wears gloves. Polly, let me just tell you right now, the reason why he wore gloves is so he could jack you in the face. Uh, the only kicker ever to want to jack yeah. you in the face. Well, you heard two signature moments right there from Jay's Cardinals career, <laughs> a career best, and at the time, team record 61-yard field goal against the Bills, and then there was once upon a time when Jay Feely scored 25 points in a Cardinals game, and not the Cardinals, Jay Feely scored 25 <laughs> points with five field goals and a touchdown run on the fake field goal, and he's still wearing gloves except now as an analyst for CBS on the sideline of all these playoff games. Jay, how we doing if you defrosted yet <laughs> it wasn't too bad it was kind of warm i mean for kansas city in the middle of you know january late january it was pretty it was pretty warm on the sidelines and and by the way like doing a, that game right there it's the greatest game i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> come on really by far by far i mean and standing on the sidelines I, i've never done a game Paul. You, you know you do a lot of games as well on the sidelines I, I have never done a game where I'm working a game and I'm literally screaming and yelling like a fan on the sideline. You know, like just random people wolf. I'm like, did you see that? Why are you kidding me? Well, you know, I've, play I've, after play after play. It was unbelievable. I've never seen a game. In fact, in NFL history, there's never been a game. 31 points scored after the two-minute warning? Are you kidding <laughs> no. me? Right? It was ridiculous. Yes. And it was just high-level plays. I mean, it was just unbelievable play after play quarterbacks putting the ball in the right spot guys making the catches Tyreek Hill exploding on the sidelines I mean it was just it was just the show and you know that's one of those games where you're like man I I get paid to stand on the sideline and do that that's pretty cool (laughs) Jay how about the entire weekend though how about that entire divisional playoff weekend It, it was unbelievable was it not it's the best weekend of NFL football ever I mean you there's no way that weekend always is the best weekend of the year. The division round is the best weekend of football every single year. I can't wait for that round because it's the best teams. It's the best matchups. 
and to have all four games come down to the last play of the game, uh, you know, it's just spectacular. And, you know, there was, there was great play. There was terrible special teams play. Yes. You know, just egregious coaching. Um, just, but it was fascinating. The whole weekend was fascinating. Right. And we're going to get into the conference championship games in depth in the next segment. But you mentioned Tyreek Hill. I'm just going to launch our Cardinals discussion with the following question. And this is a genuine question that I have posed before. Is there any way Rondale Moore can be a poor man's Tyreek Hill? Can the Cardinals deploy Rondale Moore in a similar fashion as Tyreek Hill? Or am I off my rocker, Jay? I don't think they're the same kind of player. You know, I just I don't think he's as explosive, you know, as a Tyreek Hill. But I but I love the kind of player that he is, and I love what he brought to the team this year. And I think they can continue to use him in so many ways. And if you're creative enough and get the right matchups, Ron, you know this. The NFL is about matchups. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to win in the NFL, you have to create the right matchups, and then your quarterback has to leverage those matchups. That's what the Chiefs do better than anybody. And, and they find great ways to, to put Kelsey and Tyreek Hill in the right matchups using formations, tendencies, motion, and, and, and using the defense against them to get them in a position where Patrick Mahomes can exploit it. I, I think you can do that if you, if you do a good job uh, you know, as an offense coordinator with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. He can do a good job, and he can use Rondell Moore that way. I don't know that they're the same kind of player, though. Right. Paul. Jay, go ahead and look at the Arizona Cardinals and just your general opinion on what happened the last couple of years in the second half of the season and how you might go about fixing it this offseason. Well, Ron, I was listening to you the first 10 minutes, and and you said something that I know you know I agree with, um, but you hit it on the head, and that they have to be honest with themselves. Yeah. And when I say they, and you, you as well, you mean players looking at themselves yes. and being honest about where their deficiencies are and how to, how to get better. Coaches looking at themselves and say, where yes. did I struggle? Where didn't I do a great job? Why do, we, why do we continue to not do well in the second half of the season? And I'll just point out that Sean McVay struggles in the same way. He's had a lot of the same struggles with his offense that Cliff Kingsbury has had. You know, that after they've gone through half a season – the defense coordinators start understanding what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it, and, and they don't have near as much success. Um, you know, so it's not it's not something that that is just Cliff Kingsbury when it comes to that. Um, you know, but I, I think you're right. I think it starts at the quarterback position. To me, I think um, yep. it was it was very evident last weekend when you watched Josh Allen how how good he is. You go back to his his rookie year. And people were absolutely calling him a bust and saying that the Bills made a very poor decision by moving up in the draft to go get him and to make him their quarterback. And I think what separates Josh Allen from some other guys in the league is that he had the humility to look at himself and to objectively look at where his weaknesses were and then be proactive in going out and getting somebody like a Jordan Palmer who could help him to address those weaknesses and then be committed in the offseason not to going and spending this time having fun, traveling, doing all these things, to say, no, I'm going to spend three months out in California with you, Jordan Palmer, and I'm going to let you help me get better as a quarterback mm. and learn the game. And 
understand it from a mental perspective and understand it from a physical perspective. And he did that every year, three years in a row. I think that's why you saw how good he was on the field on Sunday. And I don't believe he would have been that good had he not taken those steps every offseason. And I think if you want to get to a championship level, that's what you have to do. And he was good. The stat was in the two playoff games on the 16 possessions that he was on the field, the Bills scored touchdowns on 12 oh, of the 16 oh possessions. Goodness, Think sad. about that. That's unreal. Yeah. And, and his first playoff game was pretty miserable. Lamar Jackson's first playoff game was even worse. So these are, I mean, if nothing else, Jay, what you're saying is Kyler needs to be honest with himself based on that playoff performance at L.A. and make improvements accordingly? I, I believe that's where it starts. I think both you know, the two most important people in the organization are Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. <clears throat> and, and obviously Steve Kime is as well, Michael Bidwell. But I'm just saying from an on-the-field perspective, your head coach, who's your play caller, and your quarterback are going to dictate how far you go uh, in each season and whether or not you win in the playoffs. And they both have to look at themselves and be honest and figure out how I get better. I think Cliff Kingsbury did a pretty good job this year. I was impressed with him. It's the most impressed I've been with him. And I, and I think back to Colt McCoy when he started for those three games mm-hmm. and how well they functioned offensively and what he was able to do to, to take his offense and, and, and morph it and allow Colt McCoy to succeed. I think he did a really good job. Uh, and I think they need to continue to build around that philosophy. And I think it can be successful. And, um, you know, obviously they're going to have to go out and you have to try to figure out the linebacker position, you know, yes. and you got two first round picks and they have to get on the field and they have to play and they have to be successful. You know, you need those two guys out there playing, helping your team, you know, and, and that's something that has to be addressed this off season. They need a, they need a corner. They need a shutdown corner. If they can get it, you need a, a number two receiver, I think. Um, you know, if you bring <clears throat> hop back and, and you try to get a number two receiver, I mean, obviously Christian took strides this year when they moved him into the slot and, and had his best year, but he's a free agent. Who knows, you know, what kind of offers he gets, you know, around the NFL. So, um, you know, those are probably some of the areas. I'd love to see him bring James Conner back. I know. You know, I think he fit this offense really well and flourished, you know, and brought a physicality that they really needed at that running back position. And, and you, you know, know you got to I, I just like, I, I kind of feel like the strength of the Arizona Cardinals is still their offense. I still kind of feel that way. Do, do you agree with that? The strength is their offense? No, the strength of the team is their offense. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think they they built their team that way. So, uh, you know, look in the playoffs, look in the playoffs right now. You know, the strength of of the Bengals is their offense, the strength of the Chiefs is their offense, the strength of San Francisco is their defense. The strength of L.A. is probably their defense as well. Yeah. And so you can build championship teams one way or another. I yes. think you just need to be committed. Yes, committed totally. And yet, at the same time, I think what lies at the heart of their collapses over the last couple of years is their offense. And yep. for whatever reason, and you agree with that, and because of that, obviously Cliff Kingsbury has got to look at it schematically. But when you start putting the pieces together – I think they need an offensive guard to help protect Kyler Murray, help improve the running game. Um, if, if I had to identify one position on the offensive line, I would say guard to help protect Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. and then wide receiver to give him options, of course, other than D. Hop. He needs options. And then also, I'm just going to say this, Jay, in rundown situation, first and 10, second and one to six, they need a stud tight end. 
They need a tight end like Max Williams. Go back and look at the film in the first five weeks of the season, how well this offense was playing together and how balanced this offense was as well. A lot of that, I think, had to do with Max Williams. 11 personnel, one back, three wide receivers lining up in rundown situation, and you didn't know if they were going to run it or if they were going to throw yeah. it because they could do both almost equally. Well, that's what San Francisco does so well. When yes. you have a George Kittle, who is such yes. a good blocker, but is a dynamic pass catcher as well, it provides schematic flexibility. But I don't think they need George Kittle, per se, because everyone's <laughs> looking for George Kittle. You yeah. know what I mean? Everybody. Well, I hope not. When <laughs> you've got D-Hop and you had Christian Kirk and A.J., I thought they had some wide receiver talent on the perimeter, man, and it was Max Williams that brought a lot of that down-home fundamental balance to an offense, and yet they still had dangerous weapons on the field. Well, look, based on what you guys just said, and you mentioned Colt McCoy and what the offense looked like when Colt was in there, Calvisi consulting the Pauley Pigskin division wouldn't mind seeing more of what Colt ran with Kyler, putting him under center, more play action, more quick passes, right? It's just much more dynamic to a defense. It presents so much more to defend. And to your point, Wolf, about getting a guard, if that's where they go at 23 overall, I have no problem with that because what did Aaron Donald say after the game? Quote, I feel like the quarterback wasn't comfortable at all. Yes. And can you put a value on your quarterback being comfortable and being confident in the pocket? Especially those interior offensive linemen, Paul. Yes. Especially in this division against Aaron Donald and Nick Bosa and company. And so, all right, we'll get into the AFC-NFC championship games. Jay Feely, former Cardinals kicker and CBS analyst on board. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. McPherson for the Bengals win from 52. McPherson eyes the uprights. Looks down, tells Huber he's ready. Here's the snap. Ball down. McPherson's kick is on the way, and it is good! And the Bengals win! The Cincinnati Bengals are going to the AFC title game! Evan McPherson with the walk-off winner from 52, and the Bengals' dream season continues. First and goal at the eight. Mahomes gets the shotgun snap, pumps, throws for the end zone to Kelsey, adjusting, makes the catch, touchdown! Travis Kelsey with a touchdown in the back right corner of the end zone. Kansas City wins it, 42-36 in overtime. And the Chiefs will host their fourth straight AFC Championship game. Kevin Kugler on Westwood One. You guys mentioned earlier Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and Jay Feely, our special guest, CBS analyst, former Cardinals kicker here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Every playoff game in the divisional round, all four decided on the final play. Three game-winning walk-off field goals and the overtime touchdown. Four games decided by a total of 15 points. Think about that. And Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker, uh, was responsible for the most retweeted tweet of the entire weekend. It was the Bengals team account that tweeted out in a quote, that's why you draft a kicker, exclamation <laughs> point. How about that, Jay? How about, how, about, how about them apples when it comes to kickers, right? 
That's pretty interesting too, because I'm I'm the guy who says not to draft a kicker. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think it's really hard to evaluate how a guy is going to translate mentally from college to the NFL. And I will say that Evan McPherson had a longtime kicker as his special teams coach at Florida, Shane Graham, who really prepared him mentally to be able to step in and succeed in the NFL. They had, they had the same special teams coach as well. So it was a good situation well, for him to step into. But I, but I think that's really hard to do. And real quick, guys, the story goes, and you, you know this, Jay, that Evan McPherson supposedly as soon as they got into field goal range said, well, looks like we're going to the AFC championship game. He was beyond yeah, confident <laughs> walking up for that game-winning kick. That's unreal to have that sort you of mental fortitude. You what you don't know, Paulie. That's wow. what I said. Right. Wow. That's right. Okay. I'm with you, Rob, because <laughs> when you've missed a couple of those, you're not going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Jay, just talk about that, though, that, that moment right there. I mean, how difficult was that for a rookie to walk in and do that. I know it's based on, you know, the type of person he is and his personality and his past experience, but were you, were you surprised he walked out there and coolly hit that kick? You know, I, I wasn't surprised that he made it at all. You watched him kick all day, and he had kicked the ball really, really well. Every ball was clean off his, off his foot. That was his fourth game winner of the year. I mean, this is a guy who has made 11, set an NFL record this year with 11 field goals over 50 yards. Yep. You know, which is just spectacular. I think the hardest kick of the weekend was Harrison Bucker's 49-yarder. Ooh. And I think it was that it was it was that it was the most difficult because he had he had missed a 50-yarder going that way at the end of the first half. He had then missed an extra point. So he misses the 50 and pushes it right, almost misses a short field goal pushing it right later on and then overcorrects and misses an extra point left. So all of that in his mind as he walks out there, you know, to, to kick this 49-yard field goal after it looks like they lose the game and in 13 seconds they boom, boom, get right down the field and now you got to step in and make this kick. And, you know, he stepped in and, and drilled it and that's why, you know, he, he's one of the best kickers in the NFL. Uh, but I think that, that was very difficult and he and I talked about it after the game. You know, that was, that was one of the harder moments he's had in his entire NFL career. AFC Championship, Cincinnati at KC, 1 o'clock Arizona time on CBS. Your broadcast crew, Nance, Romo, Wolfson, and Feely. So what does it come down to? Beyond the kickers, Jay, what do you think this game is going to come down to, Joe Burrow against Patrick Mahomes and company? I think it's two things, and I think Wolf Wolf is going to love one of them. But the first thing is, can you keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket? You know, he's such a good thrower. You, you know, you don't, you know, just think about, okay, well, we got to keep him in the pocket because he can, he can pick you apart in the pocket. But he does most of his damage with his legs. You know, he's thrown for more yards than anybody in the NFL this year when he's scrambling, when he gets outside the pocket. Mm-hmm. And then when he's in the playoffs, he'll run the ball. And you saw that last week. And he's so dangerous running the ball. And it just makes it really difficult on a team because he is so good on, on the move. And he, he will burn you and hurt you. And, that's what makes it really hard for these defenses, you know, is that you have to then plaster. It's not the initial call. It's the secondary calls that you have to look out for. And then the second thing, I think this is what Wolf is going to really love. For Cincinnati to have any chance, they have to be able to do a good job on Chris Jones in the interior of that pass rush mm-hmm. for, for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they gave up nine sacks last week, and Jeffrey Simmons just killed them on the inside for, for Tennessee. And, and if you allow them to do that again, I, I don't know that you can get away with – 
allowing your quarterback to, one, get hit that much, and two, have that kind of pressure from the interior. No, that's a great point right there. And not only that, too, Chris Jones is capable of being that guy, too. He's capable, yes, no doubt about it. Okay, flip over to the NFC Championship game, the 49ers at the Rams. Your thoughts on this? I I love this matchup. It's fascinating because you have these two coaches – who coached together, who developed the same kind of philosophy, who then became head coaches, and then have had a tremendous amount of success offensively, even though they kind of do it a little different. You know, one team loves to live in 11 personnel, and and the 49ers love to be in 12 personnel, and they're a lot more physical, and they use the fullback. And so to me, it's really a fascinating matchup offensively. And then both teams are built defensively on that defensive line. You know, and San Francisco – has gotten after they first they got after Dallas and that defensive line with a four man front where they don't have to blitz and they just get after you and they did the same thing last week to, to Aaron Rodgers and Green and Green Bay you know and and then obviously the Cardinals fans know know really well all about the Rams defensive front and what they can do to a quarterback and you know that's that's the matchup which defensive line has more success and, and which mm. offensive coordinator head coach is going to do a better job calling plays and, and scheming up uh, the possibilities. I, I think it's a fascinating matchup. I, I love I love it. It'll be it'll be fascinating to watch. Yeah, there's going to be more eye candy in this game than you've ever seen before, right? Kyle Shanahan just led the league for the sixth straight year and shift in motion rate, and there's always something happening, you know. But to your point, Jay, if somehow, some way, that Niners O line, which is above average, and with Trent Williams and company, if they can keep Jimmy G clean beyond Jalen Ramsey, that secondary for the Rams is such a liability. And and, and <laughs> yeah. no one, including the Cardinals, no one's been able to really exploit that. Like I think the Niners might be able to. Yeah, I'm with you a hundred percent. I don't know that the the Forty Niners can exploit it, but that's what they should be trying to do. Uh, my favorite play of the weekend was watching. You know, they're, they're six foot six, 350 pound tackle going motion a couple of times, Wolf. I mean, oh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't Williams. understand why they didn't follow him. They tried to get all cute and, and have him in motion and then run the ball up the middle and get, got stuff. But, uh, Jay, did you, you know, see that, the friendly fire, though? <laughs> Trent Williams went oh, in God. there, man. He went in there and he wiped out not only the opponent, but his own guys. Oh, yeah. He's just, he just going to kill everybody. You know, it was, he was going with the program, you know. <laughs> Go in there and kill them all. <laughs> I loved it, man. Or, or, or maybe the jig is just up on the 49ers. Maybe they're about to get exposed because I cited that stat where with Josh Allen, the Bills scored a touchdown in 12 of their 16 possessions. You realize that the 49ers have scored a touchdown in the playoffs on two of 20 possessions. Oh, my goodness. And boy. they're in the NFC Championship game. So, I mean, yeah, are they a fugazi? Are they about wow. to be exposed as a fraud? <laughs> they're not wow. a fraud because they're so physical. Yeah. But they lack the offensive explosiveness to win any kind of a shootout. You know, and, and, and you worry with Jimmy G because he's going to make two or three throws every game that are <laughs> head-scratching throws that you just don't understand. You know, like the throw against Green Bay when you're going in and you're trying to score – and it's first down, and you throw this ball late, and it gets picked off, and you're just going, "What are you doing?" Yes, you know. And he'll yes. make two or three of those throws, and if they if they turn them into interceptions, you know, then the game can get away from you. And you know, and, you know, Jay, the way that rocks the sideline as well. When you're over there, and you're looking at oh him. What are you word. doing? Yeah. Okay, quick, your your Super Bowl prediction, Super Bowl Fifty Six. I, I want to say one more thing. I want to tell you because Cardinals fans are going to be interested in this. 
I watched Trey Lance warm up before the Dallas game, and I was not very impressed at all. In fact, I'd be very worried if I were the 49ers and I was thinking about turning my team over to him next year. Okay. Um, you know, and 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 Jimmy G has said, like, he's he's approaching this offseason like it's his last year as a 49er. So that's really interesting to me. Well, it's an offseason Jay. race. Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady to the Niners. We're calling it right here. So there you go. <laughs> You're the best, Jay. I got Thanks, Jay. Rams in the Super Bowl. See you guys. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Thank you, Jay. The three of us have had many a debate and a discussion on the air and off football and beyond, so it's great to catch up with Jay Feely. We'll get into this NFC Championship game in-depth next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Four seconds to play, tied at 10. And here comes Robbie Gold, a 17-year veteran. This is in the snow. This is in the wind. This is in Lambeau. 45-yard field goal on the snowy grass. Wisnowski will hold. Pepper the snap. High snap. Put down. Kick is up. And the kick is good. He got it. Clock at zero. San Francisco is one. San Francisco has stunned Green Bay. Nobody has a timeout. Four seconds to go in regulation. Matt Gay on to win it for the Rams. Snap, ball down, the kick is up, and the kick is good! The Rams are going to the NFC Championship game, and have we seen the last of the most decorated quarterback in NFL history, Tom Brady? Is he done? The Rams looked like they were done the way the Buccaneers came back, but they still win it in regulation, 30-27. to They'll host the 49ers at SoFi Stadium next Sunday for the right to go to the Super Bowl. I think we all recognize that voice. Our own great Dave Pash, preceded by Kevin Harlan on Westwood One, the national radio calls of those two divisional playoff games that sets up the NFC Championship this Sunday. The 49ers going to the Rams. How many 49er fans will be there is a big storyline, no doubt about that. Will Matthew Stafford have to go into the silent count at home for the second straight game against the 49ers? We'll see. But, yeah, that was just (laughs) dripping with drama. And, and, And think about that. Matthew Stafford, by the way, Wolf, here's your holy cannoli stat of the day as we say welcome back in to the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Since 1958, the Detroit Lions have one playoff win. That was 1991. Barry Sanders beat the Dallas Cowboys basically single-handedly. Former Lions number one pick overall, Matthew Stafford now has two. Two playoff wins. That's right, Bully. So there you go. You know, there not you... only that, too. First of all, okay, it's so weird to hear Dave Pash on that call, right? What are you doing, David? Wait, Moonlighting. Why exactly? Um, I've, I know that voice, and you're talking about the Rams. And the, okay, all right, that get over it. Um, that is number one right there, Polly. What is your other thought? Your other thought coming up here on the NFC Championship game? Do you have any other you know, thoughts about this, Paul? It's, you know what it is? And and, and, and and there's a little bit of bitterness here. A little bit. Okay, I'm just going to say it right out front. Is that this whole Rams grand plan yeah. is this close to coming to fruition? They yes. started this year saying, we're all in. And the Super Bowl's in our <laughs> own building. We want to be like Tampa a year ago. We want to host Super Bowl 56. We're going all the way. In fact, if everything goes to plan, we won't even have to leave our own building from like week 17 to the end of the season. And and so everything for them now, that was a road playoff win, obviously, but basically everything has gone the way they had hoped so far. 
Yeah. And, you know, going all in and then obviously. But what's vexing is what the Cardinals did to them in week four, and I still can't get past that, that physical brand of ball, what they did to the Rams in their own building that I think in their own minds necessitated we needed Von Miller, we needed OBJ, we have to make moves to compete with the Cardinals, and then they pulled away. No, that is really a salient point by you right there, Paulie. You ought to make that your radio gold vault right there. (laughs) Go ahead and file that one away because you nailed it. But honestly, I think back to that week number four. I think back to that contest, I think that was the height of this offense. Mm. Uh, I do. When you go back and you look at that tape, the first, especially again, I talked about it earlier, the first five games of the year, just the 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 physicality of this offense um, with 11 personnel, with Max Williams, the game that Max Williams had as well against the Rams, uh, I think that was the pinnacle game of this offense and one that I think they might want to go back and look at and rehash and rehash and rehash. Is that because the Cardinals ran it 40 times for 216 yes, yards? Yes. And so much of the time you were there, Paulie, it was a it was a very physical north-south in-your-face run. And also, too, it highlighted the fact Kyler Murray would pull the ball down and run. I remember, what was it, a third and 16? Was that yep. it, Paul, right And there? he went 18. Third and 16, and he went 18. Um, The shot he took down the field. You and I were talking about yep. this very thing. The, the, the ability to throw the ball down the field like we saw Kyler Murray doing earlier in the season, man. I just... Honestly, that was the highlight of the year. I'm looking at some of those game notes right now, Wolf. Kyler was 24-32 for 268, two touchdowns, no picks. Yes. Had a passer rating of 120. He ran it those six times. When needed, he ran it for 39 yards, the big one on third and 16. Cardinals had 464 total yards. After an opening punt, they scored on seven of eight possessions, went eight of 13 on third down, and three of five in the red zone. And, Paulie, that's when they had a secondary. That's when they actually had their safeties all healthy. Their secondary was healthy, and the Cardinals just dismantled them. In that game. Again, you know, I realize it's one game. I do. And Aaron Donald did not look like Aaron Donald in that game. But somehow, some way, they've got to find a way to replicate that. What was intriguing was what Jay Feely said about Sean McVay, that there have been times where Sean McVay's offense over the course of his season has not evolved, has bogged down, that other teams have perhaps caught up defensive coordinators. And what did Sean McVay do this year after the loss of Robert Woods? They went back to the Todd Gurley style. Exactly right, Paul. Yes, offense. they did. And there was Matthew Stafford under center. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm not going to get up on the under center box again. I'm not going to do that, even though I just did. I'm just telling you, Paul, that has got to be something they look at, too. Well, you look at the Cardinals' schedule next season and the home games, nine of them, not only do they have division matchups, but think of some of the question marks out there. Tampa, who's going to be the quarterback? Is Tom wow. Brady because the Bucks are coming to town. New Orleans, who's going to be the head coach? Who's going to be the four- quarterback? They had four different quarterbacks this year. KC is coming to the AZ with Patrick Mahomes and company. The Chargers and Justin Herbert. The Patriots and Mac Jones your former coach, Bill Belichick, coming to Arizona. And then the Eagles are also coming to the AZ. So that is interesting and intriguing, that home schedule next year. Paulie, that is incredible right there. Think about it. Six playoff teams. Of the nine games they play at home, six of them are going to be playoff opponents. That's, that's significant. 
you know what's amazing is that neither Joe Burrow nor Josh Allen made the Pro Bowl for the AFC. Mm-hmm. It was Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert. Those were your three quarterbacks from the AFC. And it's, it, 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 I, it was just an interesting factoid there. But how about my, how about my uh, theory, if you will, okay? All right, if it was sweeps month, you know, it might be. But that theory that maybe Tom Brady and or Aaron Rodgers might have their sights set on the 49ers. To Jay Feely's point that Jimmy G is probably done no matter what, Trey Lance doesn't appear to be ready, and if you have a Super Bowl-ready roster, then maybe, just maybe, one of those two NorCal natives is angling to get back with the 49ers. No way, I don't see that happening. How many draft picks did you mortgage to get Trey Lance? Three. I mean, you... Three. I don't know, Paul Anderson, man. That would take some big circumference right there, John Lynch. I don't know about that, Paulie. Uh, why not just bring back Jimmy G for another year? He's got another year on his contract. All right. Uh, I'm going to read this. I want your Super Bowl prediction when I'm done. The Arizona Cardinals season ticket priority list for the 2022 season. We just mentioned the home schedule. Go to azcardinals.com slash priority list for more info. Who do you got, Wolf, in the Super Bowl? Um, I've got the Chiefs, Paulie, and I've got the Rams, unfortunately. All right, for Jay Feely, Ron Wolfley, I'm Paul Calvici. Special thanks, as always, to Jim Omohundro and Jeff Darge. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. been listening to the big red rage presented by santan ford in gilbert are you santan ford state farm talk to an agent today at 800 state farm and by arizona cardinals podcasts visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts this has been an exclusive presentation of the arizona cardinals football club